I mean, one of my clients took like a trip to Antarctica and like saw penguins. Another one like has a yacht. Another one donates tons of money to like lots of nonprofits. And I'm looking at these people and like that, those are the people that I'm now surrounded by. And I'm thinking to myself, I can do this. Like I can so do this. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, Julie, how's it going? Going good. How are you doing? Good. I wanted to wish your daughter a belated happy birthday. I know she just turned eight. Is that right? Your oldest? Yes. Yes, yeah. she did. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so excited because I've been itching to implement the whole strategy of, you know, paying out your child to do some kind of, you know, task or whatnot, and then putting it into like some kind of IRA and, def- you know, you get the write off, she gets the right, defer taxes. Right and you let that grow and grow and whatnot. And uh, so we're not quite there yet, but we're at the beginning phases of it because I sat down with her and had her create a spreadsheet of the income every month. And then she needs to go through and log in. I showed her how to log into the portal where she can check if the rent came in and then showed her three line item expenses Uh and then said, you need to make sure how much every month is left and how much is coming in. And then you need to report to mama, you know? Oh my gosh, how cool. I know. And she's like, so excited, you know, at a time when like so many other kids are excited about getting an iPad or mm-hmm. going to Disneyland or something like that. Like she is beyond excited. Yeah. Um, you know, she's like, hey! like I did a little video of it and she's just like really happy. So oh my um, gosh. yeah, I'm stoked for her. That's yeah. incredible. I mean, when I think back to when I turned eight, I can't, I mean, I don't even remember, but definitely I, I was know. not taught anything about <laughs> this world. I think my mom maybe around eight years old, like opened up a bank account for me and got right. like one of those little ledgers. And she was like, okay, every month, when you put your money in, we're going to add a line item and you'll see the the dollar amount grow. And that was all I was taught about money. That's right. Yep. Typical Asian family mm-hmm. is the only instruction you are given is yeah. to save. Save yeah. for what? I don't know. Um, but it's just to save, right? <laughs> like the bigger it's the certainly number, not the better. It, it, it's certainly not to spend at yeah. some point, no, right? It's no. never Can't no spend you that would money. never do no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> you gotta save every penny. <laughs> right. For what you never know. And it's like one day you wake up and you're like, wait, what am I saving yeah. for again? Like, what am I doing all this for again? And there's like no answers, you know, it's so funny. So, um, but yeah, which I'm so excited about our guest today, yes. Natalie Lemus and her mom mm-hmm. tra- doing all of that training up front yeah. with her when she was a young girl and look at her now yes. and all of the amazing things that she's been doing <sighs> since her early twenties and so much wisdom from somebody who's way younger than me telling me how to do this whole thing. So uh, it was so good. Yeah. I know. Natalie is the CEO of uh, Commercial Northwest Property Management. And also she hosts the, the podcast Worthy to Wealthy. And she's only, I think she said she was 32, which is crazy. Yeah. And she's done so much. She's uh, she's created multiple businesses. She's done multi-million dollar deals. Um, she's been on the broker side, the property management side. She's done lots of coaching and classes. And just as you said, Julie, you know, it, we, it all stemmed from her upbringing. You know, her mom Mm -hmm. was such a powerful force or is a powerful force Mm -hmm. in her life. And all through growing up, I love the story she tells about how her mom was one of, I think, two female agents in mm-hmm. um, an Our office of room like 500, of 500. Yeah. <laughs> males. Yeah. And so know, Natalie crazy. was brought up with that and, and just, you know, challenged to continue to bring her best foot forward and to challenge the, the norms, which is exactly what she's done her entire life to get to the success that she's reached. Yeah, it was so good. Um, and just to hear her the ability for her to see certain holes in the business and directions that she could take it in her, like, what was it like mid twenties? It was just so cool to hear that. And, uh, is really inspiring for me as a mom with two young girls to 
see the product, the result of, mm -hmm. you know, what all of my, everything that I preach every day to my girls and like, you know, about investing in just life in general and to watch her, you know, watch, watch them be able to grow up and, and uh, become everything like she has done. So. Yes, absolutely. Well, enjoy this conversation. Here it is, our episode with Natalie Lemus. Natalie, how are you? I'm awesome. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. We are so excited to have you here. Now, Natalie, you and I first met through my husband, Joe, who's a realtor here in the San Francisco Bay Area. You were flying down every week from Boise, where you live, to teach this course called BOLD, which I think stands for Business Objective Life by Design. Right. And... I remember thinking, holy smokes, she's teaching this super popular and impactful course in front of this room full of agents, and she's only in her early 30s. Now, we're going to get into all of that, the businesses you've built, the teams that you've led, as well as your beautiful family. But first, I remember you telling me about your mom. Yes. And how she was also a real estate agent and had built this incredibly successful business as well as a robust community for women in real estate. So I'd like to start there. Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience and what it was like and maybe the impact that it had on you and your trajectory in life? Of course. So, you know, every time I think about my childhood, I smile a lot because my mom Aww. now being like an adult and, you know, a boss of my own. It's <laughs> so funny. I remember looking at my mom through like my eyes as a kid and I thought, I, I could never do that. How does she do all of these things? Because not only was she running a brokerage. So my mom always sold commercial real estate. She actually started in San Francisco. She worked in the eighties at Marcus and Millichap and she was 26 years old when she started her journey. Oh I my know. gosh. That's crazy. And she, right. And she was one of two women in an office of 500 men in San Francisco. And oh my gosh. <laughs> My mom is like very <laughs> petite. Like when she was that age, she's, she's still really petite, but like a petite, long blonde hair, like bombshell. And so I just can't even imagine what they thought of her. But within <laughs> a few years, within a few years, she became in the, the top seven in the office. She got a private office, which everyone else had to be in like this big bullpen. It was super competitive. And so she'd always talk about that when I was a kid. And so I think as a kid, you know, as a, as a woman, I had the blessing of, I didn't really have to overcome a lot of like childhood programming that you're not supposed to right. do certain things or you're supposed to be demure. Or you're supposed to be proper and put other people first and all those things. Um, I, love it. I grew up very much like my mom was always like, don't dummy down. And you know, <laughs> she was, she was really extreme. She was like, winning is great. She's like, but when you can beat a boy, that's even better. It's true. She would really, she was very like intense. And, um, and then she started a, a brokerage here in Boise when we moved in 1995 to Boise. And, you know, she joined up with Keller Williams and she became, she was a number one agent for all the, in the entire United States in 2009, which was like the crappiest, you know, year ever. Wow. Like wow. as most people had quit. <laughs> no. And she was just a loud woman. No, she's, she's incredible. And she, she really saw that women lacked support and community in the mm -hmm. commercial real estate realm, right. even attorneys and uh, accountants and builders and architects and anyone that had anything to do with a lender's title with a commercial or, or multifamily specifically is what she always really focused on and multifamily and then also shopping centers, basically investment real estate. Mm -hmm. um, and so she started crew. She's one of the founders of Crew Commercial Real Estate Women, which now has, I think, over 10,000 members. Mm -hmm. And um, so she started that network, and it's a support network for women in basically a male-dominated field. I love that. I love that. That's so yeah. funny. I, I have two daughters, and 
just yesterday we were like driving through a parking lot and this lady honked at me for like cutting in front of her and i wasn't even cutting in front of her but i was like girls don't you ever let anybody tell you that you cannot go. You ha I had every right to go. And, you, you know, if that ever happens to you, you tell that you don't let anybody bully you around, you know. And I feel like I'm, like, totally raising my girls to be boss. But I love that. That's so funny. And look at you now. And I'm, like, that just excites me because I can't wait till my girls are, like, you know, in their 20s and their 30s. And they're just running around doing big things, too. So I love you're gonna, that. You're going to create a monster. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you're growing up you're getting all these great strong messages from your very fierce um, and competitive mom and she's super successful and she's building this business and this network so you know as a you know as a child as a teenager were you thinking oh, I'm gonna grow up and no. I'm gonna go into real estate <laughs> no. too or I'm gonna start a business too no <laughs> I think I think I, was, I thought the exact opposite I was like I'm never gonna do what my mom does she's always on the phone <laughs> You know, I, she just works all the time because my mom was super active in the community. She may have done too many things, honestly. And, you know, I, I was like, no, I will never do that. And I didn't know what I wanted to do type thing. Um, so I, I, you know, I wanted to be, you know, an actress and then my parents didn't hire me an, uh, an agent. And so I was like, totally scarred for life about that. Um, <laughs> and, then, um, and then, you know, I, I got a full ride scholarship to Santa Clara University in Northern California for mm -hmm. Spanish, like random. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I did a year abroad mm -hmm. in Ecuador and um, went to school. And then I distinctly remember choosing, I wanted to choose another major because I'm like, I can't just have Spanish. Like, that's weird. And so no offense to anyone that just has a Spanish major, but I thought, uh, I don't know what that's going to do for me. Right. And I was like, you know, I, I want to major in theater, but I'm not going to make any money at that. And so, and I want to like live well. And I thought, what is the most creative business major? And I thought, oh, marketing. So I'll do that. So I, I majored in marketing, but, um, yeah, after college, I never looked into, and looked into real estate. Um, I didn't want anything to do with it until I got my first job. <laughs> and this is like the most typical millennial story like ever because um, <laughs> I, I graduated in 2011 from college. So it was the deep, you know, recession. They were all my friends got jobs like as baristas, literally like there was no jobs. And then I did end up getting hired at Macy's. And so I was a manager at Macy's and I thought I was like, I am, I was like, I'm rich. I was making $40,000 a year living in the Bay area. You guys were like, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I, I literally right. remember running around my apartment with my offer letter and I was like, I'm so rich. And, uh, <laughs> And so six months into that, into working retail, and I had about 45, it fluctuated between 45 and 60 people under me, all ages. I was leading them and I had three departments and all this stuff. And it was an, it was an amazing experience. I learned so much. And uh, I think because I, how I grew up, I was like, I don't know, but I just feel like, I feel like I can't have a boss. Like I am not an employee. And, um, and so, but I'm, but I'm so young, you know, but I'm like, but I'm so smart. <laughs> and, and so I called my mom and I was like, mom, I said, do you have any openings in the business? Because I want to come to work for you. And she Aww. was like, what? Yeah. I mean, I think she was shocked. Uh -huh. and she never thought that day would come. Never. I mean, never in a million years. And so, um, she's like, yeah, we have, uh, we have an opening, um, leasing apartment, she's playing it cool. Playing she's it cool. like, yeah, maybe, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> she's like, yeah, we, you can lease apartments. You can be a leasing agent, but you're going to have to take a pay cut. And I think I made 35,000. And so I started to work at commercial Northwest and I was leasing apartments. The very first move-in that I had, when I got there, the building was on fire. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Welcome to your new job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so that what, kind of, how, yeah. how, I'm just curious, like, was it, so you knew, you know, you wanted to be a boss, you know, you don't want to work for anyone. Was it seeing your mom like live a certain lifestyle or like what made you go to your mom and be like, mom, I want to work for you. Like what, why was that the answer? Well, 
You know, I was raised to be a leader. My mom and I actually, when I was 13, we started a retreat and I was running retreats for teenagers. And now we still have it. It's a nonprofit and we do nonprofit retreats. And, and that. so, um, I, I just grew up in a lot of, I had a lot of leadership training and experience. And I feel like I also have just a gifting. I'm a natural yeah. leader and I've worked mm-hmm. on it as well. And so it was difficult for me in, in that environment where I was working in, in a retail environment where there was other managers and things like that. Well, culture is everything. And the people that I was working with, they weren't ambitious. They did not really have goals. They were really stagnant and they were complaining a lot. Then even my manager and she was unhappy and like overweight and just in a bad mood all the time. And I thought, this is not where I want to be hanging out every day. Totally. And, and I was like, I want to have a greater impact and mm-hmm. I want to impact my family's business because I knew that um, my mom had created something really great. And so, yeah, I was just like, I, I, honestly, it's really weird. It was like an internal call. I was like, I just, yeah. this isn't fitting with me. And, mm-hmm. and it was also Christmas time. So like my millennial brain was like, I have to work. What? On what? <laughs> <laughs> So I quit, I quit during Christmas, like literally like the 21st of December or something. Oh, no. I know. I totally let they it down. Yeah, yeah. Sorry guys, but yeah, <laughs> that's too funny. And so you, you quit this job, you're working for your mm-hmm. mom as a leasing specialist. What were you going to do? Were you going to just work your way up in your mom's business or were you planning on then spinning off your own business? Um, I never thought to, to, to start my own business. Mm-hmm. Never. Which is weird. Even saying that, I'm like, really? Yeah, no, no, I didn't. My goal was to learn as much as I could. Like that was literally like my 20, whatever, three or four year old brain. I was like, I don't know anything. I just want to be a sponge. I want to learn as much as I can. So I, I began to be mentored by our CFO. He's been with the company for like 18 years now, but back then I guess it was more like whatever, 15 years. No, it wasn't that long ago. It was longer. So 10 years or whatever. And so every day I'd go in his office at 10 AM and I'd be like, tell me what is there to do? Like, I've already leased out all my apartments. Like, I'm like, I need more. I need more. Give me more challenges. Give me more challenges. Let me talk to the owners. Let me do this. Let me do this. So, So I just began to learn. And then we hired a business coach very shortly after I joined. And I remember this was like really my big first move into leadership. I remember telling my mom and Greg, um, who was our CFO, I was like, Hey, I, I don't, I don't know how I knew this, but I just said 80% of our revenue is coming from 20% of our clients. And we were managing a lot of single family homes and, and stuff. And those are just not profitable and people weren't happy. And, you know, you had to have so many employees to, to manage all of that. And those owners aren't in, they're not investors. They're hobbyists. Sorry, that's kind of offensive, but it's the truth. You have to start out that way sometimes, Mm -hmm. but if that's where you stay, you know, then you're not an investor. And so from that conversation, we had 11, no, 1200 units. We ended up selling half of our company and um, we went down to 600 units and management. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. because we just stuck with the people that were investors wanted to grow bigger and bigger portfolios. And then we've grown with our clients and then we could give them better service. And um, now we manage 1600 units. So it's and just, that was strategic. Did you guys see like a dip in your revenue after making a decision like that or what happened? I'm so curious. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, our revenue was, I mean, like half, <laughs> but also our headaches were half. And then our expenses, it just so happened that like, three of our people decided to quit at the same time. And then one person we let go. So, I mean, it was at that point, it was literally like, we had like six employees from like mm-hmm. 20 mm-hmm. or so. Mm-hmm. I don't know the real numbers. Cause you know, remember I'm a low C. So I, I'm, not, <laughs> uh-huh. like, I'm just like, it was substantially more fun, less headaches. And we could actually start to grow with intention and be clear on who do we really want to serve? Cause we know right. that was the thing is like, we knew that, we knew that we provided something unique and special mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. like brokerage to management, all integrated and, and maintenance, but we had to do that for the right client. Do you know what, yeah. do you know what I mean? Cause sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, I, 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 we often struggle with this too and have a lot of discussion around, you know, who, who are we actually trying to serve? And, you know, for us, it goes back to a lot of 
where can we make the most impact and, you know, how can we really help people? So after you made that decision in the business and there was a little bit of dip in revenue, now do you feel like you guys are, you know, on point and things are, you know, you're serving all the right people and business is thriving and all of that? Yeah. Radical change, radical change. We just, we started to, to really focus in on that, on that 20%, like what do they look like? What do they want? How can we be at like literally everything for them? How can we provide them the best service and really personal service? We, we actually, last year we closed $2.4 million in revenue, which I'm so happy about because, um, you know, only 1% of women owned companies ever gross over 1 million. Okay. I didn't know that statistic. I love that. Yes. Yes. So, um, we're one percenters, which has like a whole connotation to it and, um, whatever anyways. And so, yeah, we only have a hundred clients. Nice. That's so nice. Like, and that is when you have a small client pool, you can really provide that like genuine, we know our clients' birthdays, we send them like custom Christmas gifts based on like what they actually want, not just like a fruit basket, you know? Um, We have relationships. And then what's even, what's cooler is that now they are, you know, it's like a dad and then he'll, he'll bring in his, his granddaughter or niece or whoever it is that's interested in that. And so Mm -hmm. we're training the second generation. One of our clients has been with us for 20 years and we're on the third generation of like the point person. Yeah. It's really cool. And for me, what happened was I was watching all of like our clients flourish and, you know, I got my license shortly after that was my next step after leasing apartments. I was like, wait, what? Like I can like make more money by like, just (laughs) like becoming an agent. I'm like, so show me how to do that. So then I started to do that. And then 18 months into our business, my mom, um, suffered some major health, health problems. And, and then that's kind of what led me to, you know, she basically looked me in the eyes and she's like, you're running the business. And I was like 24, 25. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. And then with, with her 70% of our revenue walked out of the door because it was all related to brokerage and 30% was management. Mm-hmm. And so it was really scary, but I just made cold calls. <laughs> People don't yeah. even talk about that. People are like, oh, I just created this Instagram account. Like, no, I literally picked up the phone and I called people that I didn't know. And I built the business through cold calls. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's crazy. Yeah. I focused on um, that reoccurring revenue piece because I was like, mm-hmm. for me, my life goal, I think brokerage is fun. I think it's great. That's not my genius. That's not what I love. I wanted freedom. That's my number one. <laughs> That's my number one like value. So I was like, I'm going to build out this reoccurring revenue stream, this management. And I mean, my mom at the time, she's like, what are you doing? She's like, you're leaving so much money on the table. You could be doing brokerage. Da, 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 da. And I did do brokerage. You know, we closed around, you know, 20 million every year. I mean, but I could have squeezed that lemon even more, but I was focused on building the management, which is reoccurring Mm -hmm. revenue um, Mm -hmm. and really building a scalable business. Because if you have a scalable business, then you have, you have Mm -hmm. a passive income stream Mm -hmm. as a business owner. Mm -hmm. And that was Mm -hmm. my goal. I was like, I am going to create this to be running on Mm -hmm. itself. And, Mm -hmm. and I have, um, you know, I have amazing people and that, that was my vision, but that wasn't Mm -hmm. my mom's vision. She loved the art of the deal and she's done with that. And so, so kind of going back to what I was saying. So I was watching my clients. Um, I helped a client acquire land and develop and things like that. I I started to become in in meetings with developers and talking about, you know, ground up projects for, for multifamily. And I'm watching, you know, these people and I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, I mean, no offense, but I was like, if they, they can do that. (laughs) I can too. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing what's different about them and me. Like maybe mm-hmm. they're like, you know, 40 years older than me and a white male and have connections to money. But I'm like, but I can too. And I'm freaking memorable. Like, look at me. I am different. So that's where things got started to get fun. We'll get back to our conversation with Natalie in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? 
Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong experienced teams and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com invest. And now... Back to our chat with Natalie Lemus. So like I'm watching these people and like my clients, they have apartments and they're out like, I mean, one of my clients took like a trip to Antarctica and like saw penguins. Another one like has a yacht. Another one donates tons of money to like lots of nonprofits. And I'm looking at these people and like that, those are the people that I'm now surrounded by. And I'm thinking to myself, I can do this. Like I can so do this. And so Ugo and I, uh, bought a five unit little complex in the North end of Boise, which is like kind of the quaint little neighborhood, maybe like the mission district. I don't know. I don't know if San Francisco is San Francisco is the mission district. Well, no, the Marina, the Marina. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've offended everybody that ever has like (laughs) the mission. I don't know. I don't know. But like, you know, kind of the quaint, like artsy, really cute neighborhood everyone wants to live in. Yeah. So we buy these five units, you know, then we remodel them and we move those rents from 500 to 1100. And then I'm like learning like, what is net worth? And I'm like, holy crap, we're net worth millionaires. Doesn't mean we have cash. But, but, but my personal financial statement is looking yeah. pretty good. And I didn't even, even know that that like could happen. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't do any of this with like at that time. That intention. With, no, I was just mm-hmm. like, I can do this too. So then here's where it got fun. So one day, this is about a year after the five units, we're driving home from church and we see this little yard sign and it's on this big piece of land and it's right by our house which we live in the neighborhood of like kind of the I don't know not the artsy one not the like the cool artsy one we live in the more like mm, how would I describe it <laughs> like white picket fence like oh, you know, uh-huh. suburbia suburbia <laughs> but it's 10 minutes away from downtown but so that's okay. why people love it and it's surrounded yeah. by the foothills so it's gorgeous so mm. we see this land and we're like, oh my God. So Ugo, my husband, he says, and see, my husband is very like entrepreneurial. So he grew up with a family business and seeing somebody create something from nothing. Mm-hmm. Cause that's right. like a whole, that's a whole paradigm. Oh right yeah. There. Yeah. So he's like, call. And I, and I say to him, well, why would I call? Like, we can't afford it. Like, that's a huge, that's a piece of land. Like that's huge. Like there's no way. And he's like, to call, just find out how much it is. So I call, it's a Sunday and the little lady answers the phone and she says, well, he's asking a million dollars and he's not going to take one cent less. And I was like, okay. And Ugo, I hang up the phone and tell him, and I'm like, it's a million dollars. He's like, come on. He's like, let's just write an offer. And I'm like, but we don't have a million dollars. And he's like, yeah, he's like, we can find a million dollars. Totally. And I'm like, yeah. from who? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, Natalie. He's like, but we'll figure it out. And I'm like, whatever, you're smoking crack. And he's like, write it up. So I write it up and I'm like, how much earnest money should we put? And he's like, well, in savings, we have $7,000. And he's like, <laughs> 
So tell him $7,000. So we write up this offer and like, we have a due diligence period. Right. And I think, and with, we had to get the land rezoned. And so I think there was, I think it was a four month due diligence period. And so we go, we present the offer in person. And I think honestly, that is like a nugget to take away Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. so many people just do things the typical way, like over email. And then there's no face to face. And then it's like, people can say no to you way easier and they don't have your story and they don't know anything about you. And so we meet this agent. She's like 75 at this really, really like dive breakfast break place <laughs> that I've never been to. I'm like, Oh wow. Fancy. There's places like this out here. <laughs> and so I'm just like, this is just, I'm real. So I walk in and I'm with, I'm with my mom because my, I'm like, you have gray hair. You look more like her. I'm like, I just need you to be you. <laughs> I'm like, I need you to be you and just legitimize me by your gray hair. And the fact that you walk with a cane, she doesn't right. have a cane anymore. My mom doesn't, but, yeah. um, cause she got, she got sick and then she got healthy. So that's a whole nother podcast. But, yeah. um, anyways, so she has her little cane, white hair and, and this lady, like, she's like, she's super lonely and we just hit it off. Uh, she takes it to her client, client signs the offer. We get it back within like 24 hours. Well, I mean, people are like shocked. Like next door, there's this developer that wanted to buy it, but they didn't, again, they thought they didn't have the money. So again, I still didn't have the money to buy it. So I'm like, uh Oh, so now we're under contract. <laughs> so I give them the $7,000, like the only like little baby amount that we had in our savings. Oh my and, God. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I can't, I don't know how I need a loan. Like I was like, just like WTF. Yeah. I was like, I'll find a way. I'll find a way. I'll find a way. Yeah. And so, um, I was like, I'm going to get an investor. Like I find the property and then they get wealthy because I found the property and good deals. You know, if it's a good deal, it's not that easy to find a super good deal. So I put together a business plan like I, I figured out, okay, if we make it a subdivision, here's what the lots will sell for. And here's what, um, all the development costs. I made calls and I'd be like, Hey, how much is it for this environmental <laughs> report? And how much is it for this? And how much is it for, um, you know, a survey and what do we need for, I mean, I had never done this yeah. in the city and what do I need for rezoning and neighborhood meeting and notice notices. And then I'm like, okay, I call this, um, like land planner guy. And I'm like, how much is it to hire you? Cause a consultant to help me right. figure out w- how to work all this. And so I put together this whole like business plan and proposal because I, I can find all the information, you know, I mean, I love Tony Robbins, so I don't know. He's got some scandals going on, but I love him. And he says, the problem is never a lack of resources. The problem is a lack of resourcefulness. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I present it to one investor who is, they own our local Keller Williams office. And they're like, you know, Hey, we have our money in other projects right now. Like this is, it seems really, you know, exciting. Is it a good opportunity? And like, how about you talk to this local builder? And I was like, okay. So, um, I call the local builder and again, have my mom come gray hair helps a lot. And, um, <laughs> and I present and I'm just like, Hey, here's what I, and they're like, so I'll never forget it. Like, so what do you need? Like bottom line, like how much money do you need? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, it's going to be 1,125,000 with all the costs and everything. And, um, they're like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, I think this is, this is good. Cause, and then I always, that's another like nugget is always talk about the downside. Like what's the mm-hmm. worst thing that can happen? I'm yeah. like, well, the worst thing that can happen is that none of the lots sell. And the best part about it was, is that the price, cause here's the thing. You don't make money when you sell the property. You make money when you buy the property. Totally. Oh yeah. <laughs> bought it, got to buy it. Right. So luckily the price was a good price to where, even if like we couldn't sell the lots and the market, we could sell that for what it was worth or more, right? just the raw land. And so they wire me a million dollars and we put a business plan and we're in partnership and you know, we're 50, 50 partners on that land. And so then that was another one. So the first it was the five units and I'm like, I'm a millionaire. Whoa. Like this is so fun and so easy. And on that one, I do want to rewind a little bit because you know, you, I needed 25% down for that mm-hmm. one. You know, when Ugo and I started our journey just with like becoming financially free, it really started with getting out of debt. Mm-hmm. Like you can't create wealth if you're consuming more than you're making like, right. whoa concept, but I like to spend money. 
so we went to Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University. And so we began living, we would spend 45% of what we were making. And, you know, I was in a sales position at that time. I was hustling and I was doing deals and Ugo was working for his family business, but that business was not doing well at that time. Then he got a job at a bank and stuff. And so we had uh, dual incomes at that, at that point. And I was making good money in real estate and we kept our expenses. We kept our overhead low. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's how we even had the, whatever it was, $125,000 in the bank to put on that five units because we were saving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We saved. Yeah. It's like such a, it's like a novel thing for people. It's like save, you know, like we did, my husband and I did totally the same thing. We were like pinching pennies, taking hand-me-down stuff, driving old used cars, like just scrimping, saving, paying off all our debt and everything like up until recently, it's been like save, save, save. And it's such a, you know, you have to do that in the beginning to get to a point to have something to start with, you know, but apparently in your case, you can have like $7,000 and then go out and find a deal for like, you know, a million bucks, which is such a great story though, because while we did it that way and we saved and we saved and we saved, you don't necessarily need to do it that way too. I think is the other side of this story is that you could do it that way, but you could also go out there and get really crafty about it and, um, you know, find some partners and do some big deals and grow your wealth that way too. Yeah. And I mean, we've done it both. Like, I think that if we hadn't have, if we hadn't have put our own money into this five unit thing, um, and, and really seen like the success from that, then I don't know that we would have had the confidence to like, even bring somebody else into a, another investment. Right. Um, right. You know, so totally. Yeah. So yeah. And we did put more than $7,000. We had more in savings. I had a couple big deals close. And so we did, we did, we did put more than seven, but we did not put a million. That's so yeah. Story. And then, and then just this year, Ugo and I bought a, um, we, we ended up doing this one on our own in garden city, which is right next to Boise. It's like 10 minutes from downtown. That's my thing. It's like, close to down, close to where people want to be. Like I'm yeah. not about to like go out into like the boonies and like whatever. And maybe that's just, that's just me. My, stra- our strategy has been buy crappy places in good locations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. and rehab them. And, but this, this is land. So we bought some land and we will put 30 units on it when the timing is right. And, and that's another thing is like, don't rush things. So like Mm -hmm. in this, in this one, you know, this happened to be like an off market thing. It came to me through kind of like a friend told a friend and then told me and and, um, immediately when I heard about it and the price, I was like, you know, I had a gut feeling that the price was right. And, um, because I'm crazy, I was getting my makeup done for a YouTube that I was doing, which my YouTube channel totally failed. My YouTube channel is a fail. Don't even go look over there. Um, and, uh, it's like this call and it's like, Hey, like, I think this might be good. And I knew the location and I knew the, the, what he was saying the price was. And I was like, that just immediately like my gut. I was like, that seems really good. I was like, write up an offer put X amount of earnest money down, like 1% of the deal and get it under contract. Like, I think that people think that they have to know everything Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. they put a deal under contract. And that is like the biggest lie because what are you wasting? Mm -hmm. I mean, so then we put it under contract and then I, you know, did the due diligence afterwards and I was like, holy crap, this is like a, this is awesome. But you know, if we were to develop that land right now, we'd be the first on the street mm-hmm. to develop and it mm-hmm. needs some infrastructure work. And I'm just going to wait till wealthier developers come along and because it's a super hot street mm-hmm. until they come along and they put the pipes in and, and we'll own that. Uh, we have a loan on it. And um, I'm like, okay, worse, like, can we afford? That's the other thing is by keeping our expenses low, mm-hmm. like our overhead, our like living expenses, then we can afford a payment yeah. on this land. Yeah. How does that work with land? Like, so you buy the land, but you have all this money tied up there and then you have to make like payments on it unless you paid cash for it. Yeah. So how does that work? Like, and you're like, oh, well, we'll just hold it for who knows how long. Like, do you just like, where does, how do you fund that? Who, who pays for so, that? So on the million dollar land, that one is cash. Um, mm-hmm. So that one we're not. It just you know, Yeah. Yeah. Um, on this one, it's just my husband and I, and there's so many unknowns with, because the infrastructure there isn't like it needs probably new water, like main and, and stuff. Um, yeah. And we just closed on it a few months ago. So, I mean, our plan is to pay it off and just own it 
free and clear and then bring in partners to develop it. Mm -hmm. So we'll have it paid off probably in 18 months, Mm -hmm. 24 months. Okay. And I love if, if I could pull a common thread through all of your stories, I think, you know, I love how you said your, your top value is freedom, right? And so when you were building this property management business, it was all about, okay, how can I create that recurring income so that I can have the one thing that I want the most, which is that freedom, not the grind, not the, you know, chasing after more and more customers, but this freedom. And in all of these stories where you're getting, um, where you're paying off your debt and you're saving and then you're investing, it seems like you're pointed in that same direction is you've got that freedom freedom, vision in mind, and everything is sort of building towards that, which is exactly what we talk to our investors about is always make sure whatever you're doing, always to have that vision in mind and that goal and know what your values are so that everything can be aligned and everything can be intentional. 100%. Yeah. You know, I think knowing your values is crucial because there's been deals that have come to us that, that we, you know, that have seemed attractive that we're like, Oh, well we can make X or, or even like another business vertical or something like that, that we could add to, to our business. And, um, I think ultimately like when Ugo and I flush it, cause in the beginning, it's like always like, yeah, for me, I'm always like, yes, we can do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then like when I like, you know, slip. And that's why I'm married to my opposite is because he's, he's more methodical and detailed and he like stops and thinks, whereas I don't, (laughs) that's a learned thing for me thinking. Um, (laughs) It's a learned behavior um, based on a lot of errors. And uh, yeah, so I think filtering everything through, like, will this ultimately bring us freedom? Are we passionate about it? And will it impact our lives in a positive way and the people around us and our companies that, you know, believe in us and are working with us towards these mm-hmm. visions. Like that's really what matters. And then for me and, and Ugo, we've had this vision for me to be coaching more and speaking more and putting on seminars and really helping people get wealthy and feel. Cause that's the thing is like, if we are in scarcity mode and fear mode, we would have never written that offer. We would have never, even if, Even if you have the perfect strategy, you'll never act. We will never act if we're in fear and scarcity. If we can, if we can tap into like this internal place in our soul, that's guided by abundance, faith, and like wealth and feeling like, you know, security is already in your life and it's not some external thing. Then I think then it's much easier to take steps out and start to Mm-hmm. invest mm-hmm. because you already yeah. feel that way inside. Like, so, so yeah, no freedom, freedom has been it. And it is what has allowed everything we've created over the last eight years has been what has allowed me to now step out and, you know, mm-hmm. do speaking and coaching and uh, lead seminars, which was ultimately my, that was my vision when I was mm-hmm. a teenager and running these retreats. I was like, I want to do this for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. But I had this yeah. limiting belief that, oh, I'll never make right. any money at right. that. I'll never mm-hmm. make any money at that. And so it took me on a roundabout journey. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, now having that abundance and that passive income mm-hmm. flow to really go out and impact and, and live, I mean, my dream life. Like, yeah. I mean, I have more dreams like a private plane. I also like to donate a million dollars <laughs> to, um, I like to donate a million dollars to operation underground railroad. And I'd like to have more people come through our free events and stuff. Um, so, I mean, I have more things I'd like to do, but when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, Holy crap, but it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. And it happened by getting out of debt mm-hmm. and saving. That's yeah. the first step. Yep. That's totally the first step. Well, with that, I think that's the perfect segue. Shall we segue into our impact round? Let's do it. All right. All right. So first question is um, investing in yourself. So tell us one way that your investments are allowing you to live a better life. I mean, where do I begin? <laughs> like, I don't even know. I mean, yeah. this last year we were able to donate. I think we donated over like probably over like $15,000 to different things that we're passionate about. That would have never been possible. We got to donate to this really 
cool. It's a musician's hub for musicians that struggle with mental health. And mm. uh, so that's something that's Pat, we're, we are all about. And then Operation Underground Railroad, which is uh, mm. kids that are been sold into the sex trade. Um, and then, of course, our nonprofit. That's one way. I think another way is just the freedom to, to speak and yeah. coach now. Like yeah. I never felt that I could do that while grinding on the business and in the day to day, it was never going to mm-hmm. happen. So, mm-hmm. and then my, my husband, I mean, I retired my husband, he's retired mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty freaking cool. Uh, <laughs> our son, you know, he, we have a nanny who we absolutely love who I met through our retreats. So we get a bless and impact her life and the 30 wow. people that are in our company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't, I, it's like, it's, yeah. it, it has impacted every area of my life. I know. It's crazy. It is. It's it's, when I think about too, like all the different ways that passive investing has changed my life. It is, it's, I mean, I could sit there and write a long, long list of like every corner of my life that it has affected and changed not only in my personal life, but in the lives of my kids' lives, I have three kids and, you know, and then in the lives of each of their, you know, friends' lives at school because of my ability to be in the classroom or, you know, my ability to host like get togethers and things like that. Like it just kind of like goes on and on. And, um, it's been, it's been an amazing ride. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh, free time. Let's start another business. <laughs> I <I'm- laughs> I love that that so much, Julie. That's like my ideal version of myself, but, but then I'm like, but that's not me. So it's just like, but in my head, that's what, that's what I'd want. Yeah. 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 That's but then funny. one Saturday with, with my son and I'm like, Oh wow, this was great. I'm like, what is Monday coming? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and maybe it's the age, but, um, but definitely like being a mom is something that I've really like had to work on really sincerely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So investing in others. So what is one investment strategy or one hack that you might be able to share with our audience that will help them catapult their investing journey? Like live below your means. Yeah. I mean, yeah. put a cap on your spending because I yeah. think what happens so many times is you start to, you get a raise, you get a promotion, yeah. you get, you get some unexpected money from something. And then our lifestyles just expand with the amount of money that we receive. Yeah. Like, remember when you were in college and you maybe, or, or your first apartment or whatever, you lived in like a little shack. I mean, yeah. I, a little place with 700 square feet, you know, and there's people that live like that with like four or five kids. And so, yeah. Um, in other countries. And I mean, even in our country, you know, but it's like, don't expand your lifestyle with the amount of money you make. Yeah. I mean, I think like if you keep things, if you can keep things at a percentage, like that's helpful, at least like if you always said like, well, you know, we'll always only ever spend like 30% or 40% of our income and we'll save 60%, no matter whether you're making a million dollars a year or $10 million or a hundred thousand dollars. But like, putting that percentage on it, I think has always been helpful for us. Like we yeah. never, you know, we never go over like a certain percentage. If you have that like percentage, I think, um, because, you know, we all work hard and you want to feel the enjoyment of like that success. Right. And so if it's like, if you only stuck to like this number, but I think if you looked at it as like a percentage that could be helpful to our husband for us anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. ours is 45% and occasionally Ugo yeah. and I will do. So we do, we have, um, we, we stick with like the pocket money things. So, like I have mm-hmm. an allowance, he has an allowance, mine is more than his <laughs> to be a female. It is. It is. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so we do, we do that. And then occasionally, Occasionally they'll be like, we'll, we'll negotiate. I always, I'll always, we have, we have two meetings a week. We have our date night, which we do like fun Love stuff that. and we don't talk about business. And then we have like our business meeting every Monday at 1245. And so during that time we have an agenda. And sometimes during that agenda, I'd be like, okay, banker. Cause he, he really, he's managing all of our money and arranges it and puts it into different places. I don't, I don't do that. I make the money, <laughs> he multiplies the money. We uh-huh. are very delineated in what we do. And, uh, so I'll be like, okay, banker. I'll be like, what, how much percent can I get off of this new deal that I just closed or off of this new, a client or whatever. And then I'll get like little bonuses here and there for, you know, if I want to buy something, but yeah. Yeah. For the most part, yeah. 45% is what yeah. we try to do. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Okay. 
Last question. What is one thing that your investments are doing to make the world a better place? So, so for me, that's the whole reason that I wanted to me, freedom is like the freedom to impact. And, um, like I just gave like a free mental and emotional release session to, to a single mom, you know, and that was, it's an unconscious mind process that aligns your conscious and your unconscious and really eliminates the five negative major emotions that, that we feel fear, hurt, guilt, sadness. And I think the last, oh, anger. And, you know, I I was able to do that for free and that's my time. And I've studied to do that and I've had to pay money to do that. It's it's my business, you know, but um, if I, if I was counting on every single client to to pay me, um, you know, because I didn't have any other investment streams or, or whatever, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one way. And then time, you know, like we do this nonprofit and it's a retreat and it's for 18 to 25 year olds and, and it's a hundred percent free. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I, Mm -hmm. if I didn't have investment streams that covered me when I'm not working Mm -hmm. and in my business, just simple things. Like when my mom, this isn't even a simple thing, but when my parents, you know, got sick and my dad, my dad had cancer at the same time as my mom got a major, you know, she became a quadriplegic after surgery, but she's walking now. She has a YouTube video up. It has 35,000 views on it. Just Google Nancy's testimonial. You'll see it. It's amazing. So, um, you know, I was able to go to the hospital every single day and be with her when she was there for eight weeks. It's just, I think having that to me, it's just like having it checked off in my mind. Like my overhead is covered and now it's like, I can create whatever I want to. And I want, Mm -hmm. I'm going for more because I want to impact more people. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's what, like you said, that's what it's all for is, you know, I think so many people live their daily lives worried about money. Money is the number one thing. But once you've got the money taken care of, you can focus on living your life and being with the people that you love and making the impact that you were put here to make. So Natalie, I'm sure we've only skimmed the surface. There's so much more to you and all your all your business success and your coaching and all of that. So if people wanted to learn more about you and all that you're up to, what's the best place that they can go? Oh, Instagram. That is I am so active on Instagram. It's not even funny. You just put Natalie, I think it's underscore Lemus, okay. L-E-M-A-S. And I, I'm posting, I, I do like a story every single day of just thoughts. I tend to process my own world and get like takeaways and then share whatever comes to me for my own my own help and hopefully it helps other people all right well natalie will be sure to have your instagram handle as well as a link to your podcast in our show notes natalie lima ceo of commercial northwest property management and host of the podcast worthy to wealthy natalie thank you so much for being here with us today you guys are so you guys are the best You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast, and be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.